0: Now, if you guys haven't heard of Christy or her program, The Business Boutique, before, you are going to love her. Christy hosts in-person conferences. She speaks all over the country. She has a podcast that I love, and she's written a book, all aimed at equipping and empowering women to make money doing what they love. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. Friends, we have wise, wonderful, world-changing women in our Girls' Night community. And I know that so many of y'all have enormous dreams that you're either in the process of pursuing or that you want to be pursuing. Y'all are dreaming up blogs, businesses, side hustles, and Etsy shops. You're dreaming up ways to use your gifts for the good of the world, for the good of God's kingdom, and to support yourself and your families. I love that. But here's what I also know. Starting a business is hard. It's daunting. It's scary. It's confusing. It's complicated. And I know for so many of us, we either don't start or we don't keep going. We get stuck because we feel like we have no idea what we're doing. And that's why I'm so happy to have Christy here today. Today, I'm going to be picking Christy's brain, asking her all the questions I know we're all asking about starting and growing a business, and my goodness, she has answers for us. In our conversation, Christy talks us through how to find our business idea and how to know if it'll work or not. She talks to us about how to actually start our businesses, how to get customers and get them to actually buy what we're selling. She talks to us about how to charge money for things without feeling so squirmy about it, how to work through the fear and discouragement we often feel when pursuing our dreams, and so much more. I cannot wait to share this episode with you. But before I do, there's something I wanted to make sure to tell you about. So one of the things that Christy and I mentioned in today's episode is friendship. We talk about how important friendship is and also how hard it is to find our people. And my goodness, I have learned so much about this in the last few years. You see, I have wonderful best friends today, but that hasn't always been the case. In fact, there's been more than one season in the last 10 years where I feel like I had to completely start over in the friend department. What I learned in the process is that making friends as an adult is really tough. It's scary, it's intimidating, and honestly, it's kind of embarrassing. It feels embarrassing to admit that we don't have enough friends, and it feels even more embarrassing to admit that we're not sure how to make new ones. Maybe you can relate, and actually, I'm betting you can because I know a lot of us feel this way. Maybe you've just moved, or maybe your friends have all moved away, or they've gotten married or recently had babies, which sometimes feels like the same thing as them moving away. Maybe you have really great girlfriends, but they're scattered all over the country. You don't really have people who are your people in your actual everyday life. Maybe you've never had the best friends you've always wanted. You feel like it should have happened to you by now, but for some reason it just hasn't. When Carl and I first moved to Nashville, I was so unbelievably lonely. We moved here and I didn't have a single friend and I had to completely start over, and I wasn't sure how to do that. But I knew I had to do something. The loneliness of having no friends was more than I could stand, and so I got to work. I gathered up as much courage as I could find, and I tried anything I could think of to make new friends. And you know what? I actually did it. Within just a few months, I was already feeling less lonely and more connected, and within a year, I had met some of my best friends. It was amazing. Carl threw me a birthday party a few weeks ago, just shy of our four-year anniversary here in Nashville. The doorbell rang, and it rang again, and our house was quickly full of people I love. It took some time and some intentionality and some persistence, but as we sat around in my backyard that night, our faces were glowing under the twinkle lights, Carl was manning the barbecue, I realized that the journey was so, so worth it. I really had found my people. I had found my people and I know you can do it too, but you don't have to do it alone. As I was learning how to make friends here in Nashville, I made sure to take copious notes. I wrote down all of the things that didn't work and more importantly, I wrote down all of the things that did. And I turned those things that did work into an ebook called Dear Best Friends, Where Are You? It's an ebook full of the 10 practical steps I took to find my people in this brand new city. The practical steps that really work. And if you could use some help in your journey, I would love to share this with you. You can pick up a copy of the book in my shop. And that's actually where you can find all of my books. There's five of them. Isn't that crazy? I can't believe it. All you have to do is go to smaywilsonshop.com and you can download a copy of Dear Best Friends, Where Are You?, there for free. That link will also be in our show notes. Friend, if you are feeling lonely these days, please know that you are not alone and you don't have to navigate this alone. I would love the chance to cheer you on. Okay, with that said, let's jump into today's episode. Here's my conversation with Christy. Okay, guys, I'm so excited for who we have on the show today. I'm sitting here with my new friend, Christy Wright, which Christy, uh, we're friends now. I'm just, I love it. I'm calling it. I'm instant best friends um, with people. So you and I are speaking the same language. Yes, love it. yes. I think that that's like my spiritual gift is like all of a sudden we're friends. Yep. there yep. we go. Um, so I'm so excited to have you on the show. Can you take a quick second and just introduce yourself to the girls? Um, tell them who you are, what you do, and a fun fact. Sure. So my name is Christy Wright and I lead
1: the Business Boutique. And this is a part of Dave Ramsey's organization where we equip Women to make money doing what they love. So really, I'm all about helping women start side businesses or small businesses, hobby businesses, home-based businesses. I don't care if it's an Etsy shop or it's a big organization. I really love helping women have the tools and encouragement that they need to do what they love and make money doing that. And uh, it's a great time, you know, to start a business. But business can be overwhelming. And so that's where I come in. I have a background in business. I was raised by an entrepreneur. So I love walking with women, you know, step-by-step step and showing them answers to their questions or tools that can help them uh, be a little more efficient and effective. And uh, and they're out there winning. And that's my favorite thing to do is to help women win. So that's really what the Business Boutique is all about. And um, the way that we do that would be through podcasts and events and a book and a, you know, Business Boutique Academy, and which is my coaching groups. So there's a lot of different ways, but really we just the hardest to help women run businesses even if it's just a few dollars to pay for disney you know in the summer so uh that's really kind of what i do and i've been with dave's organization for almost a decade this fall and uh and love it so yeah i'm just really using my own gifts and so it's it's so fun for me okay so fun fact let's talk about this yes the fun fact about me and i have a story of how i got this fun fact okay <laughs> is i can say my alphabet backwards okay now the story behind this is when I was growing up, if you're, if you're listening right now and you're a child of the eighties, which I am, I was born in 83. Okay. Eighties or nineties. Then there used to be this show on Nickelodeon and it was called, uh, I think it's double dare or it was one of those shows that uh-huh. either double dare or like, um, what would you do? Yes. Okay. Is this yes. ringing a bell? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay. So they would pull, uh, participants from the audience, you know, no, like come please. on down and, and whatever. Well, you pulled these cards If you were pulled down from the audience to do an activity, sometimes they had games and skits and that kind of thing. But if you pulled a card, there was one of the cards that said hidden talent. And Stephanie, it was my deepest fear that when I went on this show, not if, but when I went on this show. (laughs) And was pulled from the audience, because I definitely would be. Right. And didn't get a game or skit, but pulled a card that said hidden talent. I would not have a hidden talent. So I want you to know, I taught myself the alphabet backwards when I was 10 years old because by God, when I went on that show and got called on, I would have a hidden talent.
0: <laughs> I love your boldness. And, like You're like, I'm going to be on the show and this is how it's going to go. I'm
1: so committed to this dream. I mean, that fear, fear can drive you. And I was really scared of not having a talent. Should I pull that card, which I obviously would. So uh, um, I taught myself that alphabet backwards.
0: I love that. I like wish we could have like, like a redemption story where it's like the show's still bring on and back. you get to do it. Bring it, yes.
1: bring it back. Yes. There was one I remember watching this one episode and there was this like 80 year old lady that got pulled from the audience and she pulled the card and I thought, oh my gosh, this sweet woman, what is her hidden talent for this show? And she said, I can, she had this long strand of pearls. She said, I can swing my pearls. And I want you to know, honey, she hunched over, swung those pearls around oh. her neck using only her head. It was amazing. I thought. If this lady has
0: something, I I need to have (laughs) something. We need to find that clip. Like, that is amazing. It is amazing. Oh, yeah. my
1: gosh. So, and, and other fun story. So, uh, this is a sidebar. You can tell I have a lot of stories, Stephanie. My mom, I uh, have lots of stories about her, but she was a single mom. I was an only child. And she had, fun fact about her, or not so fun, she falls asleep when driving, like, instantly. So, road trips were never a thing in our family because yeah. she couldn't very make it very far. Yeah. One time, she, we were going to Florida, and I fell asleep in the car because, you know, we were kids. We went, like, early in the morning, and I woke up, and we were pulling into the Holiday Inn. I was like... Are we here? Are we in Florida? She's like, no, we're in Murfreesboro. That's oh. as far as I'm So, the next year, a couple years later, we decided to go to Disney. And of course, we were never going to make it to Disney with mom driving. So, we took a Greyhound True Story, oh, which took us gosh. a short 22 hours. Oh, and it was my gosh. on that Greyhound trip that I taught myself the alphabet backwards. I was like, okay, Z, Z, Y. And I I swear, that's how i learned the alphabet backwards. That
0: is, you have time. So like, many you, layers
1: to this story, you, Stephanie. So so, you, you're so sorry
0: you asked. No, I'm, I'm 0% sorry. <laughs> 22 hours. You're like, I can do something on this.
1: That's right. Trip. I'm going to make yeah. the most of this trip. And yes. I'm going to prepare myself for when I get called on that show. And yes. by God, when I made it to Disney... I could recite that. You were ready. You were ready.
0: I I feel like I had a couple of those things. It wasn't quite with the specific end goal in mind, but there were a couple of things I like really wanted to learn how to do. One of them was braid my hair, like French braid my hair. My mom could do it, but like not great. And Mm -hmm. it took a long time. And I just thought the girls who could French braid their own hair were so cool. And I remember a summer at camp where I like every day practice. And I mean, by gosh, like I can do it and I'm a champion now. I also remember like really cool girls knew how to like, knew how to play pool. Where did I find this? I don't know. When was the last time I was at any place at the pool table? I couldn't tell you. But you were going to be ready. I was going to be ready. (laughs) Yes. Because I thought just like really cool girls, like know what they're doing around the pool table. And I'm like, maybe 16. (laughs) Like You're not even allowed in a pool hall, Stephanie. Whatever. Anyway, that didn't really pan out. Um, (laughs) I'm really glad we started here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so Christy, I'm so excited to have you here. We, I stumbled upon you a while back. I actually went to, let's see, when was it? I went to Business Boutique in 2016, oh, awesome. I think. Okay. Um, and it was awesome, and that was the first time I'd I'd gotten to hear of you. And you know, I've been following all that you've been doing ever since. Um, and I I love what you do because business and small business has been so important in my life. Um, I we it's something that we are going to be talking about more on the podcast, just um, equipping the women in our community to do the things God's created them to do. We haven't done it a ton yet. So I'm really excited to have you like yes. kicking it off. Oh, I'm thrilled. But it's, it's been such a big part of my story. I, my husband, Carl, and I met when we were working at a missions organization in um, Georgia and we, everything was going according to plan. We were working together. We were on the same, we were on the marketing team together. He was like, technically my boss, uh, which was like, you know, we had to get like a special scandalous? Permission. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, totally worth it. But You know, everything was going according to plan. And then um, three months before our wedding, we both got laid off from our jobs. Oh my gosh. And all of a sudden, we're not only, you know, uh, addressing invitations, we're also finding out, trying to figure out what state we're going to live in and what we're going to do for money. Um, We ended up moving to Nashville, like kind of on a whim to work together at this um, kind of startup. Um, And we did that for about six months living here and then the startup failed. Mm. And so for the second time, you know, before even our first anniversary, we're like filling up that cardboard box and taking it out and and going out to our car and just thinking like, what the heck are we going to do from here? Um, We both had been kind of doing some things on the side. I'd been blogging for a really long time um, and he had been doing like freelance marketing, graphic design, things like that. And we really had this kind of do or die moment where we thought, you know, do we go for it? do we give this a try doing right. our own thing? Um, and really we had nothing to lose. We had like maybe $11 in our bank account and you know, we both decided to kind of go for it. And right. that was at the beginning of 2015. And I mean, it has been amazing. The The journey has been obviously tricky and we've made lots of mistakes, sure. but I, I love, I love kind of the business boutiques tagline of like making money, doing what you love, that's right, because that's what we've both gotten to do. And it has been enormous for us. It has been total game changers for our life. And so I, you know, I have benefited so much from women like you and from you specifically teaching us how to do this and, and helping us along the way. And so I really wanted to, to, to allow our girls to hear from you also. And because I know that so many of them have something, so many of them have like a side hustle or a dream, or maybe they are going through a big job loss and trying to, you know, thinking about like betting on themselves also. Right. Um, So anyway, I'm so excited to have you here. Well, thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. And it's so
1: fun because once you're on the other side, you're going, oh, it's so worth it. To take that step of faith. But beforehand, before it feels scary, it feels vulnerable and and risky. And it is all of those things scary and vulnerable and risky. But if you step into that, now you're getting to experience exactly what we're talking about. And you look back, and it's not that it's a perfect smooth ride now, but now you have the confidence to know it's worth the hard work and it's worth those scary moments because you've experienced some of this success and some of the freedom of going, man, it's really fun to get to make money and it doesn't even feel like work because I'm having yeah. so much fun and I'm, I'm using my gifts that God has given me. And so um, that um that's a lot of my heart too, Stephanie, is um, if I can intersect women in some way at that fork in the road for them and, and be the extra nudge and push that gets them down the path of doing their own thing, what an awesome moment that once they get going, you know, it's so much easier to keep going. But yes. getting going sometimes is scary. So I'd love uh, any women that are listening that are right at that moment. Maybe they're like you, Years ago, and they're working a, a full time job that's not real stable, or maybe a lot of women or people work in jobs they don't like. Right, and and it's like it doesn't have to be this way. You know, right. you don't have to just have a Jerry Maguire moment and quit one day. Uh, you can have an off ramp. You can build this thing up on the side yep. and then gradually step into it in a way that doesn't feel as risky. And so, yeah, I love stories like yours because that's what uh, we're all about doing. So that's really fun.
0: I love that. Well, I wanted to ask you. So I'm gonna pick your brain like crazy Let's today. Do it. I'm ready. Um, Before I do, though, I wanted to just hear—so you mentioned that you have a lot of stories about your mom, and I've gotten to hear you um, speak about this before, but just kind of your heart for business, where that comes from in your life and some of your background. um, Can you kind of tell us about that? Yeah,
1: for sure. So my mom was a single mom, and she um, started a little bakery when I was six months old to raise and support me, and it really was one of those moments of she and my dad split she didn't know how she was going to make it. She did, she'd did. she quit her job to stay home with me, thinking that they were going to stay together, and then it didn't work out. And so she kind of went into survival mode, and, and it was it was similar to even your story in the sense of like, you kind of go look at things differently, and you're going, well, what if this looked differently than what I thought? Because this isn't turning out how I expected. And so she had worked in a bakery when she was 16, and so at 33 then, when she had me, she was looking back at something she knew how to do. She thought, well, I know how to do this. Um, so she got this idea. She went to a little candy store that had a vacant window showcase window and asked them if she could set up her shop there baking cakes. And she had $64 to her name and use that to buy ingredients to make the cakes Then then reinvested that money the next day and so on. And it was a very rocky journey and it was very, um, you know, lots of struggle, lots of, uh, you know, her, her landlord 14 times, depending on the different locations she went in, either moved or sold or tore down the building. So she had 14 moves oh. in like the first 20 years, um, which is hard for business to move yeah. locations, especially when you're a retail store yeah. in the middle of downtown Nashville. Um, and the cost associated with that and the build out and, and all of that for a commercial kitchen, that type of thing. So um, she definitely struggled. But what's so amazing is that as she had this journey of building a business and raising me at the same time, I obviously was with her a lot in the cake shop. I spent more time at the cake shop than at home, more time with her employees than my friends. And you may look at that and go, oh, well, oh, poor you. You know, you didn't have this Pinterest perfect childhood. But, you know, when you're a child, your parents frame normal for you. So to me, it wasn't weird at all. It's like, well, that's just what you do. Like, you just go to the cake shop. Like, as a six year old, I'm like, yeah, what time are we going to the cake shop today? That's all I knew. I didn't know any different. But what was so cool now looking back is I had a front row seat to business. And watch how my mom treated employees—the good employees, the bad employees, the crazy employees—how she treated customers—the good customers, the bad customers, the crazy customers. Yes. How she handled setbacks and struggles, and um, how she treated people, and and just watching that as a child, all as I grew up, gave me um, such unbelievable experience. But it also gave me a really powerful example to follow of her and who she is and um, what she stands for. And I tell people all the time, my mom was never, and still isn't, and in. Intentional parent. You know, we talk a lot about intentional parenting, intentional marriage, intentional, which is great. Uh, It's very important. But she didn't do any of that. She didn't sit down and say, "Okay, well, let's work on these qualities or these values." Or she never did any of that. But she lived them Mm. right in front of me, and as a result, I lived them. And and Rachel Cruz, who I know you've had on the show, and she's a good friend of mine. She always says, she always says, more is caught than taught. And I think that's so true. So if you're listening right now and you're not a quote-unquote intentional parent sitting down with all these intentional plans, who you are is more than enough for your kids. And they are picking up on who you are and what you do and how you treat people. And, and that's what mom did. And and I attribute so many of the qualities I have today from watching her and and from being in the struggle with her. You know, you can teach your kids, for example, Stephanie, you can teach your kids all day about pers- perseverance you know, in in theory, but when you break down on the side of the road and it's nine o'clock at night and it's pouring down rain and your tire is flat, that's what really teaches your kids about perseverance or when you, when you push through, when you, you know, and, and so for me, those moments, um, I, I tell people all the time in our business boutique events, which since you've been, you may have heard me say this before, I didn't make it despite the struggle. I made it because of the struggle and that's what made me who I am today. And so for anyone listening right now, they're going, I'm not a perfect parent. Welcome to the club. None of us are. I don't feel like I'm being intentional enough. I, I don't feel like I'm, you know, doing these things enough. Who you are is more than enough for your kids. And, and believe it or not, some of the hard times are the very things that will make them, because guess what? They're going to have hard times in life and you're preparing them for them. And I think that's a great thing.
0: So we don't have kids yet, but I have totally asked that question, especially um, like, how do you even as a, a human, teach some, teach all the things you want other people to learn, like to, to your kids. Like I have, I mean, that's so daunting. Um, the fact that you get to be who you are and that investing in yourself and growing in yourself and being the best version of yourself and just letting your kids see that, that it's like, you don't need to have like Thursday morning class on perseverance or whatever. It's just, you show them. Um, and I love the thing about, um, you didn't succeed despite your struggle. You succeeded because of it. And I know that so many, I know that so many of the women in my community have stories and have kind of ministry, like, I don't know, starting to stir in their heart. And But they're thinking, you know, I've been through this thing. I I could never teach anybody. Or, you know, I haven't had this training. I could never encourage anybody. And really, it's like, what are you going through? To, today. That is the thing. Well, and, and I, I love,
1: just really quick, I want to call out something because I think that that lie is so true, Stephanie, like that lie that God can't use me. There's someone more qualified. There's someone that has more gifts. There's someone that's a better fit. There's someone that has more time, money, blah, 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 blah. That is very real in, in everyone's head, okay? But if you want to get really scriptural about this, like— Again and again and again, those are the exact people that God used. God did not use those people that were the most impressive with the most money, the most time, the most skills, the most education. It doesn't matter. That's not who God used. God used the most unlikely people to do the most unlikely things to show His glory. So if we're going to go into that for a minute, that might be the very exact reason He's calling you is to show that He's the one that did it. And all you have to do is trust Him with that thing that He has called you to. And, and you know, Christine Caton says all the time when she and I are friends, and I love her, she says, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the call and if he's calling you it's because he wants to do something and so um, but I think that's very easy that's a very easy lie for the enemy to plant in your head that you're not good enough you're not smart enough you're not something enough There's, there's someone else Th- for this job. It's not you. And that is a lie. Like if God has put that stirring in your heart, it's because he wants to do something with it.
0: Yes. And like the very thing that you're going through right now, the, the very thing that you think disqualifies you actually might be the exact thing he's going to ask you to talk about. Right. I got an, uh, an email from a girl who's wanting to write a book and she said, you know, I'm I'm really struggling because I, you know, I want to write a book and, but I've, I'm so, I'm dealing with all these health issues and I just haven't gotten a chance to start or I, you know, I, I just feel like my health issues are what's holding me back. And I said, I'm not God here, but I have a solid guess that your health is- issues are exactly what he's going to ask you to write about, that's right. and exactly what like you're walking through this specific tunnel. I have a strong feeling he's going to send you back into that tunnel to get the other girls out with that's a flashlight. That's exactly right. You know, that's exactly right, and I love that because oftentimes that's the thing we think. Well,
1: I'm going to put a box around this and I'm going to put red warning tape, like, don't go there. Like, okay, God, I'll do anything you ask me to do, but not that. I'll never talk about that. I'll never go back to that place or in your example, go back to that tunnel. Be very careful when you tell God anything but that,
0: because the, but that is precisely what he's going to do. That is so true. That is so (laughs) true. Oh my gosh. Uh, We could talk about that for a million years. (laughs) Um, Okay. So Christy, there are so many things we could talk about today. And I really want to ask you about all of them, but I feel like we should maybe Focus on women who are just at the very beginning of their businesses, kind of that fork in the road that we talked sure. about. Um, you know, maybe they have uh, they have an idea, they're they're just getting started, or maybe they know that they want the flexibility and the um, autonomy of having their own business, but they don't really know what to do. I feel like kind of the first question is, if you want to have a business, but you're not really sure what that business should be, how do they figure that out? Like how do you figure out what your business should be? So I love,
1: I love that question. I will tell you that um, I'll give you a short answer since we're for the format of this, but I do have an entire course that is a deep dive. So if someone's going, man, I really want to dig into what my best idea is. We have a a course business idea bootcamp, but let me, let me give you a a snapshot, a two minute version of that. Um, Start with what you have. So your stuff, your skills, your strengths, your story. And when you start with what you have, whether it's your story, that example of that woman, you know, with health issues, mm-hmm. um, there's a story there. Can you use that to serve the marketplace? Maybe it's not through a book. Maybe it's through consulting or coaching or maybe you create your own course through, you know, whatever that is, your stuff. Maybe you have a piano. You can teach piano lessons. You have a swimming pool. You can teach swim lessons, um, your skills and your strengths. So maybe you're naturally really great at organizing. You could be a home organizer Your skills, as in education. Maybe you have a background in public relations. You you went to college for advertising. When you look at the things you already have around you, your story, you know your passions, your skills, your education, credentials, uh, life experiences, your strengths, things you're naturally good at. You maybe not have been trained in that area, but you're just really great at it. Have always been great at it. Mm -hmm. And your stuff, the physical things you have that you could use in your business. When you do that, you make starting a business on yourself. So easy because you don't have to go buy a lot of stuff and learn a lot of stuff and get new things. You just simply take what you have and you say, I'm going to create a business out of this and I'm going to serve people. Now, starting a business today is easier than ever before. You don't have to have a brick and mortar store. You don't have to have business cards. You don't have to have a lot of startup costs. The, the thing I tell people again and again is you could start a business tomorrow with nothing more than your idea and a Facebook page. So let's say that there's someone listening right now and they have a piano and they are a brilliant pianist and they have a background in, in piano and they would love to teach people piano. Okay. You simply put on Facebook, Hey guys, I'm offering piano lessons. Send me a message boom, you're in business. Like, it's that simple. And I know we tend to overthink it. And of course, I love to help people as they walk down this journey of business, getting more sophisticated with branding and pricing. And and certainly you need to do that. But when you're getting started, to your point, Stephanie, at that fork in the road, you're, you're unsure, you're insecure, you're full of doubt. Is this silly? Is this selfish? You've got so many thoughts and fears that if you were to put out that post and you had five people say, I would love to take lessons from you, What that does is it gives you confidence. It gives you momentum. And that confidence and momentum is way more powerful in building your business and taking the next step and the next step and the next step than me giving you all the tools. I can give you all the information in the world, but if you're still scared, you're going to stay stuck. So I want you to get unstuck and just dip your toe in the water, just... Try something, just put something out there. So, to answer your question, how do you find your idea? Look at what's around you. And when you do that, you lower the entry, the barrier to entry into the marketplace, you lower the cost, you lower the fear, you lower the intimidation factor because you already have what you need to do it. You're just now going to use these things that you have to serve people. And guess what? They're going to pay you for it. Hmm. And you're in business. People pay you to solve their problems and and you're in business, it really is that simple.
0: I love that so much. There's author in town. I don't, you might know him, um, Jeff Goynes. Oh yeah, yeah, I went to college with him. Did you really? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's so funny. Jeff was my um, boss at the missions oh. organization I oh, okay, worked at cool. yeah. um, for, you know, when I first met my husband. Um, I so, love his work. Love his books. He's like, so good. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll link to him. But, um, and so, sorry, Jeff, we're going to, I'm really going to butcher this, but Jeff, I one time said something like, your thing is whatever is easy to you, but remarkable to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things like that where it's like, you know, I didn't think of creating I'm trying to think of an example. So I have a girlfriend who is amazing at meal planning there. Her meals are not only healthy, they're like budget friendly and she doesn't waste any food. Like praise Jesus. How the heck does she do that? And, and she's like, no, no, no. I mean, it's just easy though. And we're like, Heather, this is absolutely like out of my mind remarkable. I cannot believe you can do this. But I think that those are the things that we, we don't pay attention to that. Um, something that, comes really naturally to me and something that I've, I don't know, I feel like it's something that God's kind of given me is the gift of friendship. Mm -hmm. Um, Friendship is something that I'm so passionate about and something I really seek out and something that doesn't come super, not totally easy to me, but it does um, come decently easy. And, and it just, it's only kind of been a recent revelation. That's not easy for everybody. And so that's like, I love that you
1: see that. I've never thought of it that way. That is an unbelievable
0: gift. It's, and it's, there are a lot of people i mean i when we moved to nashville i didn't know a soul i didn't know one single person here and so i had to find and make friends all over again and i really paid attention to that journey and started like writing pieces of it down and actually ended up into becoming two books because yes. because that's hard and and that's just one thing that i happen to be good at meal planning hor- horrible right. so i'm going to pay heather for her expertise right. and i can help you with friendship and you know we all kind of have our little pieces but i love the way that jeff said that like it's easy for you so you don't you don't think of it because you go like right. uh, no everyone knows how to do this. Right. That's not true. No one knows how to do That's this. Right.
1: And I, I want to point out that really quick because I think that those things that are easy for you are so easy to undervalue and underestimate because you assume, oh, it's easy for me, it's easy for everyone else. And that's not true, to your point. You know, I talk about this at the event and in my book, so anyone that's familiar with that, this may be redundant. But for those of you that are listening that don't know what your strengths are, I have five E questions. And one of them is exactly what you just said, Stephanie. But these five E questions can help you know your strengths if maybe you don't know them. So here's questions to ask yourself. Number one, what do you enjoy? Hmm. Typically, the things you enjoy are things you're good at. I don't know about you. I don't like doing stuff. I'm not good at. Uh, yeah. No, I'm not good at softball. I, I don't like to play softball. Listen,
0: I know you're a runner. I
1: don't understand <laughs> it. Running is not on my E list. No, no. So if you enjoy it, you probably are good at it. So that's one of them. Um, what gives you energy? Typically, when we're in our strengths, it gives you energy versus mm-hmm. sucking you dry of energy. And that's not to say you're not tired, but it's that good kind of tired where you can't wait to wake up and do it all again. Yep. Um, what comes effortless to you? And that's what you're saying with what's easy. So what What feels just as natural as breathing? It just... it. Pours out of you and you don't even realize it. Meal planning or organizing or singing or painting or spreadsheets. You know, Stephanie, some people, spreadsheets give them energy. I need a nap after five minutes. I can speak on stage for three days, but five minutes of a spreadsheet and I'm out. Yeah, exactly. Me too. So, what gives you energy? It's a good insight into your strengths. And then, what do others encourage in you? And sometimes we're not good at identifying our own strengths, but people always say, You're so good at that. You're so, man, you should start a business doing that. Man, you're a natural. And we realize, Oh, Maybe I am good at this thing. And then lastly, where do you excel in relation to other people? Now, don't get all squirmy here. Be like, oh, I'm not good at anything. No, 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 no. <laughs> where do you perform above average in relation to other people? And if God made you good at something, don't downplay or dismiss it, own it because we need you to step into that. So, those are your five E questions. If you're listening and you're like, I don't know what I'm good at, what do you enjoy? What gives you energy? What comes effortless to you? What do others encourage in you? And where do you excel? And that'll give you, without taking a personality test online, which you can, that'll give you some direction of your strengths. And then to your point, Stephanie, those things are things that are unique to you that God can use in the marketplace to bless other people because other people don't have what you have like you have it.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. I feel like everyone just like stopped Pressed pause and wrote that down. Yes, (laughs) yes. because it's it's a very tactical way to go. Okay, what am I good at? Let me go focus on these things. Yes, yes. Um, I always think about what if people ask for your advice about? And I feel like that's really. You know, people ask like, Stephanie, how did this go from being a blog to being more of a business? And really the thing was, I was getting so many emails from my amazing readers and now listeners um, asking me for advice about different things. And there were things where I'd be, you know, I was writing back everybody as quickly as I could. You know, let's talk about your boyfriend. Let's talk about your relationship with God. Here's how to have a quiet time. Like here's what to do with that difficult friend situation. And I was doing that so much. And there were so many things that I couldn't go deep enough in, in a, email. There were so many things where it was like, man, everyone has this question and And you're reinventing the wheel again and again and again. Right. And one of the things, so really it was one of my, um, first it's, it's my biggest course and it's one of my first products, but it's called make the most of your single life. And it's, it's an online course. And so many girls have told me like, Stephanie, this course feels like you read my journal. And I'm like, well, I, I mean, I didn't, but I read, you know, 500 girls emails that are asking the exact same questions. And, um, and really it was like, what are people asking for my advice about? Well, this was a tunnel I walked through and this is what I learned along the way. And, um, it turns out that the things that we've been through were actually really helpful to the people who are in just a second behind us in our journey. When it's
1: exactly like you said a minute ago with the tunnel example, it's like, God walked you through something and then you use that to help other people walk through that. And yes. it's just an unbelievable redemption story in that way, how God can use us to help people through things we've been through. And I, and I love that example because that's exactly what you were talking about earlier.
0: Oh, I love that. Well, okay. So as we're looking at our business idea, do you have any thoughts on, like, how do we know if this is going to work? Like, how is this a good idea? Because I think that's the immediate next thought is, okay, well, so I, you know, I have a piano. Um, I could teach some piano lessons. Sure. This is really fun. My mom um has a piano and she's been oh, taking fun. piano lessons forever and she just recently started teaching them. So I love it. Mom, I didn't even so know. I did not yeah, even I that. I, know, that I didn't even tell Christy that. So yeah. anyway, this is a little like personal shout out to my mom and encouragement to her. Um, but so how do you know if like is this business a good idea? Like, is this gonna work? You know, we've sure. all watched, um, I don't know if you're as nerdy about Shark Tank as I am, but you've always like we always watch the people who get on stage and say, like, I'm gonna create a like you know, personalized boutique pillow fluffer and you're like, man, and you mortgaged your whole house on this. Who told you that was a good idea? So how do we like, how do we figure out if we have one of those, like, who told you this was a good idea kind of ideas or something that could actually work? Sure. Now this is a really good
1: question because I would be willing to bet that some of the people listening, um, have a hobby that they have thought I, maybe I could turn this into a business. And I, that's a great business strategy, by the way. If you have a hobby you love and you could find a way to make money doing that, awesome, you're doing your hobby and making money. The only difference is when you take your hobby and turn it into a business or an outside idea that maybe is not a previous hobby, you need to treat this business like a business. So it's no longer a hobby. And there's a difference between a hobby and a business a business makes you money, a hobby costs you money. So we are structuring this in a way that this needs to make money. The second difference between a hobby and a business is a hobby is really for us, right? It's a creative outlet. This brings me joy. It's all about me, 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 which is exactly what it should do. It it serves you in some way. A business doesn't. A business can serve you also, but it's really about serving someone else. And hobbies aren't about that. Hobbies don't have to be for anyone else, but a business does. So if you want to know if your idea is a good idea if it can work. Now, if it will work is a different question. We'll get to that in a second. But if it can work, then it really needs to have two things. It needs to solve a problem and it needs to have a market. So your business idea, let's say you have a hobby painting, you may get intimidated by the word problem, go, oh, that doesn't solve a problem. I mean, I just paint like that. That's not like clogged pipes where a plumber unclogs them or someone that um, has a messy kitchen and they organize it. It doesn't really solve a problem, but it does. See, there's a group of people out there that they don't want to buy their art from a big box store. They want unique custom pieces. They want something interesting that has a story, and you're solving that problem by providing art canvases uh, that meet that need. So don't get intimidated by problem like it has to be a literal problem, but it does need to solve a problem. If your business does not solve a problem for for people in some way, then it, it can't work. And then it also needs to have a market. So the problem you solve can't be so unique, and weird <laughs> that there's no market. Like there needs to be a group of people that will buy it. Yeah. So if, if it solves a problem and it has a market, it can work. It, it is a, a viable business idea. I won't say it's a good business idea because there's a big spectrum there, obviously. Um, but it's a viable business idea. Now, in the question of can it work versus will it work, two different things. Can it work? Well, if it solves a problem and has a market, it can work. Will it work? You never know till you try. And people always want to know, will this work? Will this work? Will it make money? Will it make money? If it solves a problem and has a market, it can work. It can make money. But will it? You don't know until you try. And that's where business is so awesome and fun and exciting is because you are having a conversation with the marketplace. You are putting something out there and saying, does this help you? Will you buy this? And they say yes, because orders come in. And then they say yes, but I don't like this about it. And then you change and you come up with the iPhone 2.0, 3.0, 4.0. You iterate. You know, people often get stuck, Stephanie, in the early stages of business thinking, I'm not going to ship this product or launch this website um, until it's perfect. But that is a complete myth because you, as the business owner, don't know what perfect is. The only people that know what perfect is, is the marketplace. And that's an ongoing iteration to get to more and more of what they want. And you don't know that till you put it out there. You put you put your 1.0 version out there and they say, hey, we want a little more of this, a little less of this. You tweak it. And that's when a year later, you put out the 2.0 version and you keep iterating. So can it work if it solves a problem and has a market? Will it work? You don't know till you put it out there and the marketplace tells you, yeah, we'll buy this. Or yes, but you need a little more of this, a little less of this. and And that whole process of the conversation with the marketplace is what I love to do through Business Boutique. It's like, well, do a little more marketing here, do a little less this, raise your prices here, communicate it differently on your website here. And as I help them iterate, 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 their business grows and grows and grows and and they're able to see what the potential of the business is. But when you're starting out, you're just starting out with the most basic levels just to get it out there and, and get your feet wet.
0: I love that so much. I think that, you know, we get caught up in like, I don't know what my business plan is, or I don't know, you know, this isn't perfect. Or I I think that I can think of, you know, all the different products and things that I've made in my business. And there are some where I didn't ask the marketplace or where I just kind of ran on my own or where I, um, you know, spent months and months and months creating something and then tested it to see, does this work? And there are other things where like, I mean, I kind of, Threw it at the wall a little bit. Like, you know, I I gathered, you know, some resources, some ideas, some materials, and then said, Hey, like, let's do a beta version of this. Right. And those are the things that have have done the very best because I've learned the most about them and I've had the opportunity to change them. And, um, it's funny cause I always need to remind myself of that. Like, Hey, just start with the basics. Right. Like just, this is, you know, 1.0, you can always fix it and change it, but you never know if you don't try. Well, and it's like you said too,
1: of, of getting out there and having this conversation, listening to what do people ask you advice on? So I'll give you a really practical example of business boutique. We started Business Boutique in November of 2015 with an event, 1200 women came to that very first event and we started it for the starters. Like, so that was our target demographic, that was our persona, our target market was women that were starting businesses or growing businesses. That's who we had in mind. 40% of the audience that showed up, Stephanie, were women that didn't even have a business idea. They not only didn't have a business, they didn't even have their idea yet. And we're like, how in the world did we pull in 40% 40% of our audience of 1,200 women to this first event that didn't have a business and didn't even have their idea. That's what we, we call them, the dreamers. We have dreamers, starters, and builders. How did we do that? And so the number one thing they asked me again and again was, how do I find my idea? How do I find my idea? I want to do something, but I'm not sure what. So again, at our spring of 2016 events, we had two events, one in Phoenix, one in Dallas, about 1,600 women at each of those. Again, 40% of the dreamers that didn't have an idea. Fall of 2016, again, a large percent of dreamers. By spring of 17, January, I launched a coaching group of for dreamers, and it's how to find your best business idea. I wrote a whole curriculum, how to find your idea. That was my answer to this question. I was asked again and again and again. Yes. I took 210 women through that. We then, from that, those women are now running their businesses by going through this curriculum, then turned that, that summer and uh, last fall, into a course, which is now the Business Idea Bootcamp that we sell at businessboutique.com that you can buy and take a, you know on your own schedule if you weren't in the course. All of that, that whole product line, that whole idea, all of that was in response to what were they asking me over and over again, what were they asking me advice on. I never launched Business b- Boutique with dreamers in mind. I never Mm -hmm. launched business boutique, the brand, the podcast, the events, none of that courses. That was not even on my radar of something this market needed until they told me. And then I responded and created that for them. So I just think that your point is, is really valid of, of, putting it out there and having a conversation, letting them tell you what you need. Those are the things that are going to be the most successful anyway, are the things that are in response to what they need more of.
0: Yes. Yes. Your your customer is telling you, please do this for me. And then you don't know. I didn't know. You didn't know. We don't know. But they
1: tell us and you respond.
0: Yep. Oh, that's so good. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. So you have this business idea and you think it's a good idea. It's response to a problem. It's in response to a problem. You have a a target audience in mind. What do you do next? Like, how do you get started? And what do you need? So you kind of, you already said like whatever you already have, but like, Like what do you do do next? Yeah. Okay.
1: Great question. So, in a perfect world, you would create a plan for your business. And what I found is a lot of women get into business accidentally. They're kind of making it up as they go and responding to Etsy orders and responding to Facebook posts. And that's awesome. I actually love that because what's happening is they don't even let the fear creep in at that point because they're just kind of accidentally responding to things without mm-hmm. overthinking it. Yeah. So, that's really fun because they're getting what we were talking about before. They're getting that confidence and momentum. Mm-hmm. And so, they're getting to experience that. What happens is, though, At some point in this accidental journey, they hit a wall and at this wall, I call it the wall of overwhelm that they all go through where at this wall, they begin to have more questions than answers. And the overwhelm of the business concept replaces their initial excitement. They start thinking things like, well, what about business licenses? And what about taxes and trademarks? And how do I set myself apart from the competition? And it's at this wall that they want to give up. And so that's really why I wrote my bu- my book, Business Boutique, because I thought, okay, if I can give them a plan step-by-step, step, then that will help them get the answers they need to get over the wall and keep going. Now, for someone that's just getting started, though, they haven't had an order. They haven't had questions. They don't have anything. They're just like, what do I do next? Honestly, the best thing they can do if, if they want to just get the thing going and you don't want to sit down and fill out a plan, that's totally fine. The best thing you can do is identify the lowest hanging fruit. So um, what I mean by that is for your particular idea, what's the quickest win? What's the lowest hanging fruit? What's the easiest next step for you? And so let's say, for example, you want to have a Big successful money making blog. You want to have an online community for women. You've got this big dream, this big vision, and you're you're asking that question, Stephanie. You're going like, well, what do, what do I do? Like, how do I do that? What I want you to do is identify the next baby step. In that, in your case, the next baby step might be purchasing a URL. It might be writing your first blog in a Word document that no one sees and it's bad. Yes. You know, it doesn't matter. What we're trying to do is we're trying to baby step our way into business one tiny thing at a time. And what happens is when you you check off that one thing and you cross that out and you experience that confidence of, hey, I wrote a blog. Hey, I bought a URL. It gives you this energy. It literally injects energy into your body and the confidence and momentum to take that second baby step and the third baby step. And one baby step at a time, you look up and go, oh my gosh, I'm doing this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But it didn't happen with this huge uh, leap off a cliff. I don't want anyone to do that. Instead, just identify for your particular idea, what is the next baby step? Maybe if you want to, um, let's say, for example, you want to start a home organizing business. We use that example a couple times. Maybe your first baby step is asking your friends what are their biggest frustrations with their home in terms of losing things? Can I tell you mine, Stephanie? Yes. Tupperware lids, sister. Tupperware lids. Help a mama out. Why are they so I, hard to keep of? I check-up? waste so much of my time trying to find Tupperware lids. Oh, my goodness. Okay. You can tell I got a pain point here. But, like, <laughs> but maybe that first step is just asking your friends, and then that validates your idea. Wow, moms really struggle with Tupperware lids. Here's how yeah. I can help them. Yes. um so, so whatever your particular idea is, just write. And it, it does, there's not a right step. It's not like, oh, that, is that the right first step? Just what is the next baby step you can take because you're going to get them all. You're going to get all your bases covered. You're going to take all the steps, but you just got to take the first step. And, and what I encourage people again and again is that the impressive things in life often start, start out as very unimpressive things. You know, um, it starts out as writing that first blog. It starts out as speaking to just your small group. And then that led to speaking for a classroom. And then that led to 10 years later, you're speaking on giant stages and spotlights. But it all starts somewhere And, and everyone starts somewhere. So if you give yourself permission to be a beginner and take some of those baby steps, then what happens is that fuels your confidence and momentum to take the next one. So there's not a perfect right step. The the perfect right step is the first step, and it just matters that you take it. And I don't care what it is, but figure out what it is. Don't overthink it, and just take it, and then experience the pride and fulfillment that comes with doing that brave thing, and let that propel you to do the second brave thing.
0: I love that so much, and I feel like um, if girls have been listening to the podcast for a while, their ears would have perked up when you said, um, "Give yourself permission to be a beginner." I the idea of this podcast was in my head for years before I actually um, took the leap. It was like the technology. It was, I mean, I was just intimidated by a million different things. And finally, that phrase, it's okay to be a beginner popped in my head. And that gave me all the permission I needed. Okay, I'm going to try this. I I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if I'm going to like this, which it has worked and I love it, which I never would have known otherwise. Um, But, you know, I just, I needed. Something to just allow me to start. And I think the idea that I could be horrible at this and that's okay. Right. Just, and I'll get better. I have right. to get better. Right. That was just the thing I needed. And so on my little podcast microphone was this little sticky note that said, it's okay to be a beginner. And I mean, it got me through. Yes. Like the whole first season. Well, and I think we
1: have this myth. You, you've heard me talk about this before, Stephanie, at the event, but I think we have this myth that if we're scared, we shouldn't do it. And fear is a bad sign that if I was supposed to do this podcast thing, then I wouldn't be scared and intimidated. So I guess it's not for me. That's for someone else who's not scared. And the truth. This, we're all scared at different stages of the journey. And, and I love how Joyce Meyer says: new levels, new devils. Even if you conquer your fear of one thing, the moment you push yourself outside your comfort zone to do something you've never done, you're scared because you know why? You've never done it. Of course, you're a little scared, but but you don't have to wait until you're not scared to do the thing you want to do. You just do it scared. So walk on the stage, post the blog, buy the podcast equipment. Do the thing anyway, even if you're scared, even if you're shaking in your stilettos, do it anyway. And the more you do it, the less scared you are and you wake up and you go, oh my gosh, I'm doing the thing, but you didn't wait until you weren't scared because guess what, sister, that feeling may never come. You just do it anyway. You just do it while you're scared. And I think that um, for some of those women listening right now that they are like you and they've had this idea waiting for that fear to leave before they do it, they're going to be waiting forever. Instead, lock arms with each other in this community, listen to you and other people that love you that are coming alongside you and say, you know, I know we're scared and we're going to do it anyway. We're going to do it scared. And then, and then you'll actually do the thing. If not, I'm afraid that that fear will keep them stuck. And I, and I hate that because the people winning, it's not that they're not scared. It's that they do it despite the fact that they're scared.
0: I love that so much. It made me think of um, the movie, We Bought a Zoo. Mm -hmm. do they have the thing about like 20 seconds of insane courage or something? He's like, just summon 20 seconds of insane courage. I feel like that's what it is. You know, you write the blog post and then you have to press publish or, you know, you create this course and then you have to press share. And my gosh, like, I'm so glad you said we're all afraid. I'm Always scared. I'm scared yeah. all the time. Um, and I think we all are, but it's just it's showing up anyway. It's summoning that, you know, 20 seconds of right. insane courage to press publish. And then That's right. like then you can go hide for a That's minute, right. but it's out there.
1: That's right. And I do want to call out one thing on the on the spiritual side of this. And I obviously am a, a believer, but I think that it we all know that fear is not from God. So let's talk about that. Fear is not from God. And I would say that if you're scared, it is because there's something on the line. In fact, those things that I have done that I have been the most afraid of have been the most impactful. And it was because the enemy was tormenting me with lies and excuses and lies and excuses and don't do it. And people think you're a fool and no one will like you and, you know, all these terrible possibilities of what's going to happen if I do it. And when I do it anyway, when I push publish on that blog, that's the blog that goes viral. That's the blog that women write in telling me about how it touched them and God spoke to them and, and all of these things. It's those things, women, where something is on the line. And, and I believe that that's why you have a target on your back, um, because something's on the line. So if you're scared, it's not a bad sign. It's actually the opposite is usually true. It's because it matters deeply.
0: Oh, my gosh. I love that. I love that. I'm, I'm As I'm editing this, I'm going to be like writing this down and putting this on my mirror and all <laughs> the things. I feel like we need this reminder all the time. Um, So, Chrissy, one thing that I know holds us back in business, and this is absolutely still hard for me, is... We are so uncomfortable asking for money. Mm, let's like, talk about it, sister. Let's a just, please. let's go oh there. Yeah. It is so... <laughs> So scary. And I actually, I have coined a term for this because I just had to, I feel like, you know, if we can name something, it helps, but I call it the dirty sock syndrome. Okay. I'm ready um, for this. So you create this thing and it's such a good idea in your head. And it's in response to something that people totally tell you that they need. You know, that there's, you know, there's an the audience, you know, it's a problem. You know, that you have a solution that has helped you and lots of other people. You create it, you put all your time and love into it. And then you press publish. And as, as long as it is something that is where you're asking for money, I feel like instantly As you press publish, that thing that you loved so much instantly turns into like a dirty sock. Mm. And you're like, do you want my dirty sock? Will you please buy my dirty sock? All of a sudden, your confidence about this thing, at least this happens for me, you feel like you're offering them something that's all of a sudden terrible. Sure. How do you... Like how do you how do you maintain the confidence you had before sure. after you press publish? Sure. How do you ask people for money? Especially because every once in a while, like there's pushback sure. for it. For for
1: sure. Okay. Pushback is a different question, but let's just talk about asking for it. Like wh- okay. what's in our own head first? And Stephanie, let's be honest, we could talk about this for about six hours. Yes. I get very passionate about this. So get <laughs> get ready for this. Um, here's the thing. We have some really messed up ideas about money. Especially in the Christian world. So, so we have there are there are a lot of myths, there's a lot of misinformation around what money is, what money means, what money represents. And sure, you can find lots of different examples, good and bad, when it comes to money, managing money, selling, business, all the things. But we tend to put things in buckets and oversimplify them. And I don't know if it's because maybe how we were raised or how media portrays it, but let's talk about what is true about money. Money is amoral. It is neither good nor bad. It is like a brick. A brick is not good or bad. You don't look at a brick and go, oh, that's a nice brick. Oh, that's a mean brick. It's just a brick. But when you put it in the hands of a person, it can be used for good or used for bad. You can build a home with that brick for someone that needs a home, or you could throw it through someone's car windshield. The brick didn't decide. It's just a brick. Money is like that. Money is amoral. It's neither good nor bad, but when you put it in the hands of a person, it can be used for good or used for bad. Um, You have examples of people that are very, very wealthy that make incredibly generous decisions with their money, and they make an an impact in the kingdom with the money that they are stewarding for God. You also have people that are poor or do not have a lot of money, and they're jerks, and they're not very generous, and they're greedy. The amount of money does not dictate the character of the person. Yep. The character of the person dictates how the amount of money, any amount of money for that record, is used. Now, in business, because we're talking about selling and asking for money, this totally filters how we treat our business, ask for money, interact with money, that type of thing. Because if we have these messed up ideas about money, feeling guilty for money, having money, building wealth, then we're going to bring that to the conversation in business. We're going to bring that to the to the sales interaction. Now, let's flip this on its head for a second, Stephanie. Do you ever buy coffee from Starbucks? Yes. Do you get your hair colored or cut or any of the above? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Do you ever, well, you don't have kids, so you don't pay for babysitter. Do you ever go out to eat at a restaurant? Oh, absolutely. Do you ever feel weird about paying for those things? No. Never. So you're paying the Starbucks barista, for her hard work and for the coffee that you're getting to enjoy when you walk out, you're paying for your hairstylist who your hair is beautiful. She obviously does a great job. <laughs> um, you're paying for delicious food at a restaurant and the service and the ambiance. And women y- listening right now, you pay for these things and you don't feel weird about it. So why in the heck do you feel weird about people paying for you paying you for the value you bring to the marketplace? It's the same exact thing. If you don't believe in the goodness of business and making money, you will never have a good business, and you will never make money. If you believe that making money is bad and selling is evil, then of course you're not going to try to make money or sell, because why in the world would you take steps and put energy into a result you think is bad? I don't believe that, Stephanie. I believe that when you take care of God's people, when you serve them through business— where they pay you for the services and products you provide, you're taking care of God's people. And it is no less holy than a nonprofit or a ministry or something else where you're taking care of God's people. By the way, my one rant here about nonprofit and that that type of thing is we have this myth that nonprofit means no profit. It doesn't. You need money like everybody else does to function and stay in business. By the way, if you don't have money, you're closed, nonprofit or for-profit. But nonprofit is a tax status. It's an IRS designation. It does not dictate the holiness or worthiness of the business. For example, the NFL is nonprofit. Did you know that? <laughs> They're not real holy, by the way, in yes. my personal opinion, which no one asked. So it, uh, nonprofit does not dictate the the mission or the heart or the impact of the organization. It's simply a tax status. And if anyone's determining holiness, it's not the IRS people. Like So let's not get confused here with tax status and holiness. When you do work that matters, when you do your work, as the Bible says, as as unto the Lord, when you serve people as unto the Lord and you take care of people and you love people and they pay you for the value you provide— There's nothing in the world that's evil about that. And and it's amazing how we get tripped up when it's our business, but we don't mind paying for, uh, you know, if if we go on right now, Stephanie, if you and I need to buy a gift and we go on Etsy and we buy a really cool custom gift from a mom, I don't feel weird at all about paying her. I'm thrilled to pay her because I know that that's even more personal than Starbucks. Now, you will have pushback and haters. That's a different conversation. But but for you as the business owner to have confidence in serving the marketplace, uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin says, when you serve the marketplace well, they will give you certificates of appreciation with presidents' faces on them. They will give you money, and if you don't serve them, they'll put you out of business. They won't pay you. But if you're, if people are paying you, it's because you're taking care of them. They're not going to continue to pay you if you're not. And uh, I think that's a really important point as you serve the marketplace to have confidence in that and have confidence in that uh, your ability to take care of them. I will say, as an example, like you know, when women come through, um, like my book signing line, for example. And they've bought my book. So they've paid $20 -hmm. for my book, Business Boutique, uh, which is the plan to grow their business. And they come through and they say, um, you know, I'm so excited about this book. Do you think it'll help me? I don't say, gosh, I don't know, maybe. Like, it's a toss-up. No, I'm like, yes, it will help you. I know it will help you. Why? Because I've seen hundreds and thousands of success stories, and I can't wait to watch you win. And when you win, I want you to write me your story because I'm going to share it on my podcast at Business Boutique because I love shining a spotlight on women like you winning. You're going to do this, and I can't wait to watch you do it. It's this unbelievable belief in what I'm doing and what God's called me to and what they can do with those things. And and if we want to get to the even— deeper spiritual level, we think we're being so humble by not selling, by not using our gifts, by not building our business. But what we're really doing is hindering what God's trying to do because mm-hmm. God's trying, He has given you these gifts to leverage and steward. And it's our not only our right to use them, it's our responsibility to because women, people need what you have to offer. People need it. So don't hold back because you've got some messed up ideas about money. Listen to me, listen to Stephanie, listen to people that can help you set some of those things straight, and uh, you know, I think it just it it will change how you approach your business. When people buy a book, I'll tell you this, Stephanie. I'm not focused on the twenty dollars I got. I'm focused on the value that they're going to get from it because I believe in it. And in selling or making money, don't focus on what you get. That's where you do start feel slimy. Yeah. And if you're focused all on you, then then you do need to fix that. But if you're focusing on what you can give, like the value you give through what you do through your Bible studies, through your books, through your podcast, if you focus on that then the money is just a natural result of that. But people start feeling weird when they start thinking of what they can get. Don't focus on what you can get. Focus on what you can give and the money will naturally follow.
0: Oh my gosh. I feel like everyone's just like, just hold the phone for a second. We can talk about this all day. I know. I I love it so much. Chrissy, thank you. I wanted to ask you one more question. I wanted to ask you a hundred more questions, but I want to ask you one more um, before we get into kind of our last few. So I think that this is, I know this has happened to a lot of the women listening. You know, they've they've done the thing, they've started, they've come up with the idea, they've created the first product, they've put it out there and crickets. Yeah. How do, how do you find the people who want to buy your thing? If right. you... If you're experiencing that, like if you've created a thing, you have, you know, a small handful of people following you, you've created a thing and you really are not having many sales, like what do you how do you gather, how do you find the people who are gonna buy your stuff? So business is one big experiment. So you're and you're never not experimenting. So even if you've been
1: in business 20 years, you're still experimenting. You may know some things are honed in and you know that they're, you know, a guarantee, but other things are new and different. You're always learning, like we talked about, you're always iterating. So for someone starting out, Uh, I will tell you the number one thing that I see hold people back from making sales in the beginning, so I'm just going to make a guess here that this is maybe what's going on for this hypothetical person, is they don't know who they're actually selling to. They think they're selling to everyone. They think that their product is for everyone or their service is for everyone, and it's not. It is for a specific type of person. And so what I want you to do, if you are starting out and you have not made any sales, I want you to dream up what I call your ideal customer, so who was the perfect person that this product exists for? Who is the perfect person that this uh, business exists to serve through your services or through your online community? Uh, dream them up. Let's give them a name. What's their age? Do they have kids? Um, what's their family situation? Where do they live? And where do they work out? And where do they go to church? And where do they? Um, what are their struggles? And what are their uh, pain points and frustrations? And why do they get up in the morning? What motivates them? When you begin to dream this person up, and I literally want you to write it out, like her name is Sue and she's 45 and she's struggling because her mom's aging and she feels torn between her mom and her 10-year-old and da, da, da. Okay, you're writing all about Sue. Yeah. When you dream up your ideal customer, then all of your marketing, your branding, your advertising, all of your efforts and energy and even product creation or copy that you write on your website, all of that is for Sue. And what happens is... When we start out in business, we try this shotgun approach where we think we're, we want to be everything to everyone and we reach no one. But when you become so focused on Sue, and you will find a lot of Sues and a lot of people like Sue. Now, of course, you'll have some outskirts of people you didn't intend, but you become so focused that people that think like that and live like that and, and buy like that and behave like that raise their hand and go, oh my gosh, that's for me. That's the reason, Stephanie, that so many people said, I felt like you wrote that for me. I felt like that was speaking directly to me because it was speaking directly to a specific type of person mm-hmm. that you had been talking to for years and you'd heard their voice, you'd heard their frustrations, you knew their problems and you wrote to that person in their problems. What happens is we try to we think we're we're creating more opportunity by saying I do this and this and this and I've 15 side businesses and come to me for all the things, but no one remembers no one remembers anything. You would be better um, set up to pick one thing and do that one thing well for that one type of person. You'll have a lot more success. I'll give you an example. I was just listening to um, the Gold Digger podcast this morning mm-hmm. when I was putting my makeup on, and uh, with Jenna Kutcher, she was interviewing this woman that had unbelievable success on Etsy. Now, Etsy, you could argue all day, oh, it's so saturated and da 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 all the things, <clears throat> which is true. But you can also have incredible success there, yeah. like anywhere. This woman had unbelievable success on Etsy, and it started out as crickets. It started out as hardly any orders, and she started getting a little bit more, a little bit more, and started getting some exposure through media. But you know what she sold, especially when she started out? One product, jewelry dishes. But it was very unique jewelry dishes. The design was unique. It wasn't like anything you could see. But it was just a jewelry dish. That's that's it. But she leveraged who she wanted to sell to. She wanted to sell to brides for bridesmaids gifts. This is her target market. Here's how they think. Oh, get a gift that no one, you know, brides are always wanting unique bridesmaids gifts. Yep. Personalized, you know, customized, all the things. And she has turned this into a giant business. Now they have, I think, a few other product lines as she's expanded and grown over time. But when she started out, she did one thing. She did it well. She branded herself in the Etsy marketplace as being known for this one thing. Now she employs her husband, her brother, her sister, her friends, her parents, full-time, plus a team of people. And it all started with this one product. So I would just say for someone starting out, and it's crickets, there's a lot of things you can test. You can test maybe your messaging. You can test um, your pricing, if your pricing is too high or too, or too low. Yeah. You can underprice and people don't want to buy. I'll give you a tactical example, Stephanie. If I see an advertisement for a massage that's $25, you know what? I'm, I'm not really buying. scared. Nope. Yep. No. Yep. no nope. uh-uh. I want to yep. pay $60 at least. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So <laughs> you may be doing that. You may be pricing so low, you're thinking, oh, great value. No one's buying because they think it's not worth anything. Yeah, because they're scared. That's right. So there may be a variety of things from messaging to pricing to, to whatever about that could be going on, but I'd be willing to bet for that person starting out, the most common thing I see is trying to be everything to everyone. So instead, figure out what you want to be known for and go be that and market to one specific type of person when you're starting out and you will begin to find that person and understand that person more deeply and write to them, create for them, and then you'll
0: actually reach them. I love that so much. That is such, such good advice. It is so easy to think like, I want to, yeah, I don't want to exclude people, but by excluding people by being really specific so many more people are invited as a a result and you'll get some
1: you'll get some criticism if some people are pulled in that aren't for you and that's actually a good thing you know i had a man read my book he he left a review on amazon and it said i bought this for my wife but i decided to read it first now this is a man middle-aged man that works in a large corporate job and he said i just didn't get it i thought it was real stupid and he said my wife loved it and i thought perfect Because you're not my market. And if you're making the wrong person mad, you're doing the right thing. Because that means that the wife that read it that goes, oh my gosh, tears are streaming down her face. She wrote this directly to me. You're exactly right. It means I reached who I wanted to reach. So of course, the implication is if you're reaching Sue, you're reaching a lot of people that aren't like Sue. Great. Awesome. You're not for them. Move on and help more Sues. Oh,
0: so good. So good. (laughs) Um, okay, so I want to ask you three last sort of podcasty questions. We okay. do this with everyone. Um, the first question is, what has God been teaching you lately?
1: Ooh, I love that. Okay, here's what I've I've seen a theme over the last. We'll make this a long frame of time because I feel like God tends to teach me things the same thing, lots of different ways, till I get it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm a little hardhead. God tends to t- is teaching me right now that the things that I need to work on are the things that I'm not naturally good at, and it's easy. I think to get stuck in our personality and go, well, that's just how God made me. Well, I'm just loud. Well, I'm just extroverted. Well, I'm just um, a hothead. So too bad, I've got an anger. You know, I, I get mad. God's saying, no, like, I, I don't need to teach you. I, I literally felt God say this to me, which I may lose some of your listeners here because I don't know if God speaks to them this way, but but he literally, I hear like words in my head. I felt God say to me last fall, true story, Stephanie, the humble, humble moments here. I felt God say, Christy, I know you know how to speak up, but can you shut up? Ooh. I know you know how to stand up for yourself and fight. Can you sit down and take it? And that's hard. It's hard, Stephanie. That's it's really hard. so hard. So I'm ye- yelling, I'm yelling, as you could tell. But it's like, I feel like God, what God's saying is, the areas that I need you to grow are the areas that you're not naturally good at. You don't naturally just bite your tongue and turn the other cheek. Now, someone that's listening right now, Stephanie, I want to call out, if they are naturally quiet and hold their tongue, God might be teaching them, sister, it's time to speak up. Yep. It's time to fight. Yep. There is a time to fight, and there is a time to sit down. Um, I love the quote. I think it's Winston Churchill. It is courage that it takes to stand up and speak up and and, and fight. And there's t- it's what it's courage that it takes to sit down and listen. And I feel like the areas that I need to grow are the areas where I'm weakest. And and those are the areas that are hardest to grow because it doesn't come naturally to me. Um, so that's kind of, it's been an ongoing theme for about eight months. Not a very fun theme, by the way. Not a fun <laughs> but theme, a necessary but such one. a good theme.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Okay, so this is kind of, uh, this is a fun one. What is something that has been bringing you joy lately? And like, this could be anything. This could be a favorite restaurant, a product you've been loving, something you've been doing on the weekends, just anything.
1: So we've been going to the lake on the weekends and growing up, it's funny how you just have like, literally dreams, like, like growing up, like like dreams, like, oh, it'd be my dream to, you know, whatever. Growing up, we never went to the lake. We never, um, I mean, we would go like rent a little cabin and um, a little state park and rent a canoe, but not like we never went to the lake regularly. We didn't have a boat, that type of thing. And my husband and I bought a boat and we've been mm-hmm. going to the lake. And to me, it's like, Stephanie, I can die a happy woman. Like, it's like, to me, it's the ultimate, like I've made, like I've made, it. like there's nothing uh, now to me greater <laughs> than having a boat. Like, I don't need a beach house. I don't need a villa in France. I don't need really anything other than what I have right now, which is a boat we bought on Craigslist for a very good value. But it's just being on the water to me growing up because we never got to do that. And it's like my happiest place in the world. Like, we were there this last weekend, and I just kept saying to my husband, I can't believe this is us. I can't believe this is us. Like, I can't believe we get to raise our voice. and like, I can't, like, I just can't believe this is happening. That's all I said all weekend. And you can tell my smile is so big. So going to the lake to me is just the ultimate. And the fact that we have saved and budgeted and made it happen, I'm just, I'm in heaven. Oh. Lots of joy. Lots, so much joy happens in the lake. Oh, I <laughs> love me.
0: that. I love that. That feels like the best, like end goal kind of, you know, yes. we're talking about business. We're talking yes. about making money, doing the thing you love and and being able to afford some of the things you want to do yes. in life. And it's a Craigslist boat. And yes. that's like the thing you can get. It's, yes. I mean, that's so, I love yes. it. You can identify this is the kind of life I want to live. This is, this is how I want our life to be. And you can yes. actually make it happen. It's, and I
1: love that. It's amazing too. Cause I think, um, and again, you, we could get into all the layers of spirituality, but it's like, I was reading, um, a book the other day and the author was talking about how how do you how do you manage the the unbelievable suffering in the world and the unbelievable blessings in the world and all the you know practical day to day that we deal with of, of of from tragedies to silly stuff like boats you know but I think that that the way the author described it and I thought was really interesting was God is in all of that. Like God God is God is in all of those things. And I think that as silly as a boat or as practical or as a physical of a thing that that is that, I mean, I genuinely feel that is a blessing from God and I am so thankful to God and and I don't deserve that and I'm not entitled to it. But, but God is in those blessings in your life. Even the practical things, even the really cute new outfit you got, even the pedicure that just made you feel really good. Like I... You could you could argue, you know, made me think I'm just not Christian enough, but I think God is in those things, and I think God uses earthly things to bless us and bring us joy, and I think He wants us to enjoy those things that He gives us, and, and that's certainly one that I have felt lots of joy and been very, just so thankful for.
0: I love that so much. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, okay, so last question. Who is a woman who's been inspiring you lately? Someone we can kind of go follow along with and learn from and be inspired by too.
1: Um, I don't know how many uh, of your listeners are familiar with some of the Christian authors. I became friends with several of them on the Propel Women's Tour last fall when I was speaking with um, it's Christine Cain's event, but it was like Lisa Turkhurst, Lisa Bevere, and Beth Moore, and all the big names out there. Um, I just saw a post, uh, literally a couple days ago, um, from Lisa Turkhurst that it seems like from the post, and I haven't texted her or called her. I need to, but it seems like there has been reconciliation with her husband and this woman. I'm going to get emotional talking about, but she has been through hell and back with her family and being on that tour when all of that was going on and seeing her strength and seeing her lean into the Lord and pray for miracles and trust the promise and not give up when she had every reason in the world to give up, when I honestly probably would have given up Stephanie and to see now just God's redemption and and see that she was pivotal pivotal in the strength that she portrayed through that whole season when she didn't know how it was going to turn out, when she didn't know if there was going to be that happy ending. I just, I've been so moved. That's all I can think about the last couple of days when I saw her post. I'm glad I'm talking about this because now I need to text her and be like, what is going on? Tell me all about it. Um, But just, it's not that we won't, have hard times and the bible says that's you know it's not that we will not have troubles in this world we will have troubles but take heart i have overcome the world and um and there may be women listening right now that are going through really hard times unspeakable hard times but i just i want to i want to encourage you to have the strength to pray for a miracle and um and have strength through that season uh and that god is in that with you but just me and watching her and how she handled that with such grace is inspiring to you know to to no end. oh
0: it's so good it's yeah. so good yeah, yeah. Christy, thank you so much for everything you do. Truly, you have been such an inspiration to me. I know that I'm one of you know, gazillions of women who can say that. And I'm so grateful to you for all the work you do and um for inspiring us to do the work we were created to do as well. So thank you so much for everything you do and for being here.
1: Well, Stephanie, you are such a light. Like I I am just like more excited just cuz I get to hang out with you and it's so I you said one thing that like I'm not going to stop thinking about this next week. I'm totally going to tell people you told me this. But I love how you talked about friendship is is a gift and a and a strength and I've never thought of that. Like what a gift that is that you have in building those friendships and how you're teaching other people even through your podcast and your example, that they're going to be able to do that better as one of the many things that they've learned to do. But that just, that just so stuck out to me. I just think you're so smart. So anyway, thanks for what you do and, and, uh, and for bringing me on as well. Oh, thanks friend.
0: You guys, isn't Christy amazing. I just love her and I love this conversation and I am so happy I got to share it with you. One thing I wanted to mention quickly is I know we talked about a lot in today's episode. And so if you want to find the links to any of those things, all you have to do is go to my website. It's stephaniemaywilson.com slash blog. And for every episode, we'll have a blog post with the show notes. All the links will be there for everything we talked about, including all of the resources Christy mentioned and her contact info so y'all can follow her and so y'all can be friends. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls' Night. Before you go, I would love it if you would do two quick things. The first is to subscribe. Subscribing to the podcast is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It's also a way easier way to listen because it's a way of sort of bookmarking the podcast. You'll never have to go looking for it again. Your app will just automatically download the next episode when a new one's released. The other thing is, it would mean so much to me if you would take a quick second to leave a rating and a review for the podcast. The way that iTunes knows to suggest the podcast to new people is by the ratings and the reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our girls' nights. So would you do me a huge favor and just take one quick second to leave a rating and a quick comment about how you like the podcast so far? It would help us out so much. And I want to say a big thank you to all of you who have left such sweet comments already. I just love this one from Shay Ann from just a few days ago. She said, Stephanie and her podcasts have gotten me through some of the hardest days of my life, helping me to see how God is working in my life in each of my seasons. I look forward to drinking my coffee and listening to these podcasts on my way to work every morning. There are no words for how Stephanie and all of her guests have impacted my life. You guys, I actually think I shouldn't read these out loud because they make me cry every single time. Shayann, thank you so much for listening, friend. It means so much to me. God loves you like crazy. He is with you, and I am so glad that my girlfriends and I could remind you of that. Thank you so much for being here. And a huge thank you to all of you who have taken the time to leave a review. It means the world to me. All right, friends, thanks so much for joining us for Girls' Night, and I will see you next week.